Short Cast Club. Hello, we're here today with Volume Thirteen of our favorite recent shortcast. I'm Avi Kaufman, your host. If you like variety, this is the podcast for you. Today's theme is GSD, Get Stuff Done, and about moving forward with life. We'll hear from seven creators who, in some way, touch on this theme, even tangentially. We'll hear insights from Nathan Nobis, a philosopher, from Bill Harper, a marketing guru, Eden Gold, a guide for young adults, Sylvia Porib, a life coach, Marcel Eaton, an author, Liz Jane, a young professional, and Joshua Terhoun, a child therapist. First up, Nathan Nobus, a philosophy professor at Morehouse College, in his shortcast gives a writing tip. Imagine your reader might die at any moment and why that makes sense. Hey, I want to offer up a writing tip, good for writing philosophy and good for writing uh, other types of things too. The tip is this, imagine that your reader might die at any moment. So you want to get the most important information and claims to them first. This begin with the main point strategy is often much more effective with today's uh, impatient readers, people who are distracted, um, and is usually far better than the uh, slow buildup, especially the slow buildup where you sort of begin with kind of bad ideas on the topic, bad theories, bad arguments. Um, you'll want to talk about that probably, but it can be far better to start with your main point and then provide whatever backstory you need, work up to it, provide, you know, give your main point, give your positive arguments, and then go back and discuss bad arguments, bad theories. So uh, that's the tip. Imagine your reader might die at any moment. So you want to tell them what they need to know. Next, an episode of Don't Just Win, Dominate with Bill Harper, a marketing and branding leader. He answers the question, does branding matter for B2B, business-to-business companies? Does branding work for B2B companies? The answer is yes, it absolutely does. And here's a great example of that is Federal Express. When FedEx came out with their absolutely positively has to be there overnight, that was a great example of them choosing a single pain point and leveraging everything about the value of their brand against that one concept, that one idea. There are plenty of others that are out there, but I think that's one that certainly stood the test of time and shows the value of that. That concept still rings true for a number of people. When they need to get something there overnight, they're going to FedEx. That's how strong that brand legacy has been in terms of its messaging. It doesn't have to be a terribly complicated thing, and I think that's where so many people get it confused. They think it can't be as simple as just one thing like we get it there overnight. That can't be, that can't be it. But really think about it. Volvo is just about safety. Porsche is just about performance. These big brands weren't able to oversimplify because they were big and successful. They became big and successful because they started out with a simplification. Identify a major pain point and build all of your messaging, your sales, your marketing, your engagement strategies. Build everything around that one pain point and how you solve for it and lead with it in your discussions and conversations. That's how brand reputations are built and that's how consumer expectations are set. In this episode of Eden Gold's shortcast, Life After High School, Your Ultimate Guide to Thriving in Adulthood, she says you're not lazy, and she gives you tips for how to get things done. How to be a straight-A student if you are lazy. Stay tuned because number three is my absolute favorite. You guys are going to love it. What's up, guys? Eden Gold here, TikTok's adulting expert, and on this page... We discuss the best tips, tricks, and hacks to help you thrive as a young adult, whether you're in school or whether you're entering into the adulting world. 
but in order to be an actual real adult, we have to get through school. Unless you didn't go to school, it's just fine. Okay, starting with number one for all of you lazy folks out there, eliminate all distractions. Literally set your phone in a different room, turn off all notifications because it will be much easier for you to get distracted and start scrolling. Two, take intentional breaks often. Here's how. Live and breathe by the Pomodoro study technique. Save this video for later. Number three, my favorite one, hear me out. Adopt an effective morning routine that sets the tone for your day. No snooze. A liter of water right when you wake up. 10 minutes of yoga. Set a timer, it works. Try this for a week. It's insane what this can do for you and follow for more. Next is Sylvia Porib with what it means to put someone on a pedestal and why you might be doing that. She talks very fast, so if your podcast player allows, you may want to play this one at a reduced speed. Have you ever ignored red flags about your crush? Have you felt inferior or inadequate? Well, chances are you place them on a pedestal. Regardless if we're talking about your crush, your mother, or even your favorite celebrity, we tend to put people on pedestals because that's how our parents presented themselves to us. After all, I'm sure many of you have heard the famous I know better, I've been alive longer, or any variation of the same message, which was don't trust yourself to do what's best for you because I know better. Of course, this is not the only reason why we put people on pedestals, but there is a link between healthy familial relationships between child and caregiver and healthy relationships in adulthood between the grown-up child and society society as a whole. The more the bond between kids and parents is made of dialogue and reciprocal listening, the more the kid will realize their worth and the pedestal will cease to exist. As they're actively being asked about their preferences and opinions, they are treated equally rather than having an entity deciding everything for them, from how they dress, to what they eat, to who they hang with. Also comparison is a big factor in creating the pedestal, like when your caregiver used to compare you to people who were doing better in school, sports, house chores, or whatever else. But what's the difference between admiring someone and putting them on a pedestal, you might ask? The answer is pretty easy. The best way to know if you're putting someone on a pedestal is if you think they are better than you. They have a better figure, they socialize easier, they love more deeply, they make more money, whatever better means for you. Of course, if they're better, that means you're worse. And here's the pedestal, you see? It's very easy to create, but at this point, communication with this person, the one we put on a pedestal, becomes impossible, which is kind of ironic since all you want is to connect with them. The person on the pedestal never has to be there. In fact, they might feel slightly awkward around you or they could take advantage of it and disrespect you. But imagine someone putting you on a pedestal. They will have a lot of expectations from you, from how you act, how you speak, to how you live your life. All of a sudden, this person puts you on a pedestal and automatically in the spotlight, not recognizing your humanity anymore, but expecting a pedestal performance. The best way I can explain this is with celebrities. Their fans love them, find them perfect and amazing, they buy their merch, albums, all of that, until they show a sign of humanity. And the most common sign of humanity is making mistakes. If you put someone on a pedestal, you almost can't believe that they could be in the wrong. And when we realize they were, an insane amount of anger and disappointment starts building up. We almost feel betrayed when in reality making mistakes is the most normal human experience and is our main way to learn. So the pedestal message is they are out of your league so they have something to offer while you have nothing to offer them. They're so amazing and if I can make this cool person like me that means that I'm also cool. So ultimately you put people on a pedestal because you don't see your worth and now you're seeking their validation and because you're seeking their validation chances are you'll allow any type of behavior from them. So you don't like the person per se but you like them for who you assume they are based on your interpretation which can be just fantasy. <laughs> so to keep people off the pedestal I have created a step-by-step -step guide. You can find it on my Patreon link in bio. The golden Guys. Marcel Eaton is an author, editor, and writing coach. In this episode from her short cast, she shares a dilemma she is facing with a character in her book and asks for ideas of how to deal with it. All those videos of authors being like, someone wronged me, so I put their name into the book and now they're the villain. Yeah, I eat those up. I'm like, you tell them. But nobody told me that this could happen. I did that. I based my traitor off of somebody that I know. And now 
they apologized. And when I say based off of, I mean they did the exact same things. Their names even rhyme. And when I say apologized, I mean broke down in tears and gave me the most heartfelt, genuine apology ever. So now what? What do I do? Do I just change the character's name? Do I redeem them in the story? Do, do I... Um... Let's hear from Liz Jane and her short cast, Working Girl. Unfortunately, like many people recently, she has been laid off from her job. She shares a very personal, emotional update on how she's feeling and how she's dealing with it. And a warning, there's one swear word in this segment, so if you want to miss that, you should jump forward one minute. I told myself this story that I wasn't going to be super invested in it because if this happened to me, then I wouldn't care that much if I got laid off. But then I got laid off and I was very down and depressed about it. And it's because of two things. The first thing is I care about the work that I put out into the world, whether it's in my nine to five or my content creation or my side businesses. I care about having a good worth ethic and putting out a good product. And then that got ripped out from under me and it was like a gut punch. The second thing is I am a millennial minority woman who grew up in the hustle harder era. And even though I make all of this content to encourage you to detach your career from your identity, it's a really hard thing to unlearn. It's a fucked up situation. All of these mass layoffs are happening right now. So if you want me to scream into a pillow for you, I will do that. I'm here for you. But I will also be that friend to remind you that your job is not who you are. It is not your self-worth. It is not your entire identity. It doesn't make you a bad person if you got laid off. It doesn't make you a bad worker if you got laid off. You are going to be okay at the end of the day. Don't worry, we got this. For our final segment, let's hear from Joshua Terhun, a child therapist. With the conflict in Israel and Gaza, he's been receiving many questions about how to talk to kids after they've been through a trauma. And he explains his approach here. Parents, I'm going to teach you how to respond to your kids after they've been through a trauma. I had many parents in my comments and DMs ask me what they should say to their kids about the conflict going on in Israel and Gaza. And here's why I don't think that's necessarily the most important question you should be asking. In my opinion, the most important question you should be asking yourself is, how can I restore my child's sense of safety and control over their life? And I get it. It's extremely difficult to see your child, your bundle of joy, the apple of your eye, go through a really, really difficult and painful experience. Trauma just isn't stored in the brain. It's also stored in the body. It's important to help them logically understand what's happened. It's also very important to help their body and nervous system regain their sense of safety and connection. And so in my next couple of videos, I'm going to be talking about how to help support your child emotionally, what questions to be asking, warning signs, and things you can do, activities that your children, you can do, families can do to help regain the sense of safety, a sense of wellness, sense of connection, and a sense of empowerment. And while there's many scary and frightening things going on in our neighborhood, I'm incredibly honored to guide you and your children through this difficult time together. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this taste of some of our favorite recent shortcasts. If you did, please subscribe and consider writing a review on your podcast app. It helps surface our show to other potential listeners. We really appreciate your support as we grow our show. There are links for each of the creators you heard today in the show notes, and we encourage you to find and follow them on Shortcast Club. 
They are all very binge-worthy. Search for Shortcast Club in whichever app store you use. Thanks and happy listening.